just uh, maybe give uh, Richard Jabo a hand. Well, that's sad. He got a bigger hand than I did. <laughs> Stop. You're making me feel like my brother now. <laughs> well, like I said, welcome to the Centre Church where Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, I've been preaching a series on the Glorious Church. I started in December, did another one, I think, in February. This is the third one. So the, the first one was called The Glorious Church is a Glorious Church. The second one was called The Glorious Church is a Glorious Church, the sequel. This one is called The Glorious Church is a Glorious Church, the threequel, because it is the third in the series, and I'm not very creative with names. But it's an important subject to be preached right at this time in this world, because we know we are living in times that are urgent. You know, ever since Jesus died on the cross, people have thought they were living in the end times, but we are surely living in the end times. We are seeing the signs that have been written in Matthew 24 that Jesus gave to the disciples as signs of when he was coming home, when he was coming back to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords on this earth. And so it's a time in which I feel urgent about preaching um, this message and the previous two messages. It's a time in which Pastor Lisa and James preached on worship in the last couple of weeks and how important it is to place worth on God, to put him at the center of your life, and so in the first couple of messages, it was about the glorious church. And I said that the glorious church should be without spot, and without wrinkle, holy and without blemish. That the glorious church should be in a oneness of faith. That we should have faith in the revelation that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Saviour and our Deliverer. That we should be a church that understands that we are ambassadors for Christ. And when I say church, I mean this church and the body of Christ. That our conduct on earth matters. That our honour to God matters. Colin Miller preached, Pastor Colin Miller preached a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned that the word for honour in Hebrew is the same word as glory. And he went on to say that where there is no honour, there will be no glory. Who wants to see the glory of God on this earth? Well, then there has to be honour, doesn't there? And so we have to be aware of our conduct and our honour for God. We have to be aware of our worth that we place on God. We have to spend time worshipping him, getting to know him. I said that the church should be fearless and unafraid of change. That we should be agile and able to move by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That we shouldn't be a church that when I say come up a little closer, everybody just stays in the same seats. That's not the church we need to be. We need to be a church that when there's something happening in your workplace, in your home, in the mall, when you're out and about, that you're agile enough to move with the Holy Spirit. You don't wait, you don't procrastinate, you don't wait to be told twice. We hear from God, we move. And so I believe that's what the glorious church is meant to be. And, and finally, I said that the glorious church should be filled with the manifest power of God and the tangible presence of God. Because when that happens, when that happens, this place will truly be a beacon to the lost. When the power of God splashes down in this place, we've talked about as a leadership team, our plans will mean nothing. And we won't try and hold God up. We are an agile church. We move with the Holy Spirit. 
And so the theme of the glorious church really is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first two were about the glorious church, but it was about us preparing ourselves and equipping ourselves to be the bride of the groom who is Jesus Christ. That's our job and responsibility right now, is to prepare ourselves. Just like the five wise virgins, we don't want to be like the five foolish virgins who had to go to Jesus and plead with him. Didn't you see the things we did for you, Lord? And Jesus said, I did not know you. You never had a relationship with me. You never got to know me. You never deepened your revelation of who you are in me. You see, the glorious church is a church that is continually deepening its connection with God. It's a church that has a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a church that is filled with the manifest power and the tangible presence of God. And I'm saying this because there is some urgency in this world today. I preached my first message in 2019, and it was a message about evangelism, but it was about urgency. We were seeing things even then, strategies of the enemy. He was accelerating on this earth. It's only three years later, and just in this country, we've seen a shooting that took 50 of our brothers and sisters from this earth. We've had a volcano erupt. We've had an abortion law and an end-of-life law passed. We've had a pandemic. We're now in the middle of a war in Europe. These are the signs of the times. We need to be aware, acutely aware of the times that we're living in. I'm not saying you're not, because I know I'm sitting in a church that knows the Word of God. But it doesn't hurt to be reminded, does it? And so I, I've been speaking to a lot of other Christians. We, we spoke about it the other night at the Water Leaders Party. Uh, Water Leaders Party. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor, Pastor Lisa. I wasn't meant to let people know we have a party on them. <laughs> the Water Leaders Party, eh? Wow. It did kind of turn into a party when Gordon started praying. <laughs> the Water Leaders Meeting. We asked people what they were hearing from God. And the theme was that <laughs> the theme was that people were hearing from God that we have to deepen our connection with him, that we have to get closer to him. We have to walk closer to him so that we can hear clearly from him. These are not times we want to be off the station. These are not times we want to be hearing bits and pieces from God. We need to be hearing clearly and accurately, crystal clear what God is saying to us and our part in what's happening in this world today. We don't all have to be into everything. But we have to fulfill our purpose with the gifts that God's given us. And so the glorious church is a church that is filled with the manifest power, the tangible presence of God. It is a church where people have a deepening connection with God. Each and every day we're walking closer with him. And we're hearing clearly and accurately from him. So we know that Jesus is returning to this earth. And the last time that we saw Jesus was uh, on this earth was documented in the book of Acts. If you've got your Bibles, grab your Bible now. If you've got a phone, grab your phone now. Turn to Acts 1, verses 4 to 8. I'm just going to pick some parts out that Jesus spoke in that, in that passage. Jesus says, You have heard from me, for, truly, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. He's talking to the disciples. 
And he says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you will share the gospel with my people and you will share the gospel with the Gentiles to the ends of the earth. Every corner of the earth, you will go out and share the good news that I am the saviour of mankind. And then in Acts 1.11, it says, Men of Galilee, and the, um, this is the disciples, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, when Jesus comes back, he'll disappear into heaven just as he did when he left. When he left, he disappeared in a cloud and went up to heaven. When he comes back, he's going to come the same way. It's going to be suddenly. We won't know the time or the season. It could be today. Who woke up this morning and was yearning to see Jesus arrive today? You don't have to put your hand up. We should wake up every morning with an expectation that we're going to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords arrive on this earth because that's what we're in this for. If you believe the Word of God, if you believe that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then you must believe the Word of God that says He is returning. You must believe that that's going to happen and then it's going to happen soon. And so He left just as He came. Uh, he left and he'll come back just as he left. Suddenly, he'll appear in the sky. And when he returns, it'll be no secret. If you can turn to Revelation 1.7. can hear rustling and scrolling. <laughs> Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even the ones that didn't believe that he was the son of God will see him when he comes back. Matthew 24, 27. Got fast fingers. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, you won't be able to miss it when he comes. When he arrives, he's going to appear suddenly and it's going to be like lightning flashing across every sky around the world. Every ear will hear and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. There's going to be sound effects as well. When he arrives, every eye will see and every ear will hear that Jesus has arrived on the earth. It's up to us to make sure that the people of this earth understand what they're seeing, isn't it? It's up to us to share the gospel. And when he comes, he's going to take up the dead and the undead believer. We're going to be raptured. And we'll all remain in heaven for seven years. And during that time, we will be judged for what we've done on earth. We've got access to heaven, but we will be judged. We'll be judged for every opportunity that we missed. God will remind us of those times when perhaps we're in a room with someone and we're in a hurry. And we know their heart is broken, but we've got to go. And so we miss it. 
Perhaps we'll be reminded of the times that we've known that a brother is in trouble and we've just neglected them. Perhaps we'll be reminded of the times when we've missed it with a work colleague, an opportunity to share the gospel, or with a loved one. But we will go before God and we will be judged. And in that seven years, the Antichrist will rule on earth. And just as we're waiting on Jesus now, just as we're urgent now about seeing Jesus, just as we want to wake up every morning and expect that Jesus is coming today, the followers of Satan are doing exactly the same thing. They are hungry for more evil. They want to see more demonic forces on this earth. There is another side to this battle. You know that from the day you were born, you've been in a battle on this earth. I know most of you personally. And so I know that the people of this church have been in battles. The enemy's had a good go at everybody in this church. We are his enemy because we love God and we serve God and we want to see him fall. But there are people out there who are rooting for him. They can't wait and they think they're winning right now. But they're not. Because we have the victory. God has the victory. We have the victory through Jesus Christ. The enemy is a defeated foe. And during that seven years, there'll be a tribulation on this earth. In the first three and a half years, there'll be what they call the tribulation. And in the second three and a half years, there'll be the great tribulation. In other words, earth will not be a good place to be once we've been raptured up. And there's far more to that story with the Antichrist. But I, wanna, um, I do want to go through a few things that are going to happen when that happens. Because we need to know we are in a battle and why we're in that battle. The world is going to be a horrific place to live in if you haven't come to know Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to preach hell and damnation. I'm just telling you what's happening. We all need to know. A third, of, a third of all the vegetation on the earth will be burnt up by the intensified heat of the sun. That means that our food sources will be burnt up. The sun and the moon will be darkened and the world will be left in darkness for long periods of time. The gates of hell will be opened and the hordes of locusts the size of a horse will come up on the earth and sting men like scorpions. There will be worldwide famine, which we're already seeing the world heading in that direction. World war is so bloody that the blood of those killed in battle will run for 200 miles as deep as the bridle of a horse. In other words, there will be rivers of blood this deep across the earth. Every person on the earth will be covered in running, festering boils. The seven seas of the earth will turn to blood, which means our rivers will turn to blood and nothing will be able to live in those oceans or rivers. The sun is going to scorch the earth and wildfires will break out spontaneously and burn worldwide. Mighty men, kings and men of war will gnaw their tongues in pain, crawl into caves and beg God to let them die. They will seek death and not find it. Earthquakes so shattering that the islands of the seas will disappear. Doesn't sound like a fun place to be, does it? Revelation 9.15, the sixth trumpet will sound. God will release four angels to destroy a third of mankind in one day. So get a handle on that. It's five million people in New Zealand. That's about 1.7 million people who are going to disappear in one day. If you believe the word of God, then you have to believe this. 
if you break down, like, mathematically, I don't know, but let's just say Kapiti has a fifth or a fiftieth of the population, or a hundredth of the population. That means 17,000 people are going to die. 17,000 people are going to disappear from Kapiti. Mathematically. You're going to know the people that disappear, that are killed. I'm not saying this to scare people. I'm saying this to motivate us. At the end of the seven years, Jesus will return to earth with his army and conquer the devil and all of the forces of evil. Revelations 19, 19. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, who sat on the horse and against his army. So we know that the enemy has an army that he's going to be waiting here to go to battle with Jesus in the battle of Armageddon. And Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16 says... Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the army of Jesus coming back to earth to fight the enemy and take him out. And the enemy will lose, and he'll go into the abyss for a thousand years, and Jesus Christ will reign on earth and in heaven as King of kings and Lord of lords. You know that the bit where I was going through what's going to happen during the tribulation seems like it was quite sobering. It's quite hard to take, isn't it? That those things are going to happen. But it's our responsibility to make sure that there are as many people as possible come to know Jesus Christ. Like we actually get to do something about it. It's not something that we read and listen to and go, oh man, that's going to be horrific. It's up to us, isn't it? It's our responsibility to share the gospel with all creation, to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the, <laughs> the Son, <laughs> sorry, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I knew it was three and I didn't know what order. We actually get to make a difference. You know, if we were sitting in here right now and this building burst into flames and only half of us could survive, only half of us could get outside. If you look around now at the people that you're sitting with, these are the people that you sit with each and every week probably. We know each other. We love each other. We care about each other. But imagine being outside the building, being one of the ones who got saved and looking back through the windows and seeing the other half burning. I believe that we're going to know what's going on during that tribulation. I believe that we will know in heaven what's happening on the earth. Think about the loved ones that you've got around you right now that are unsaved. Think about your work friends who are unsaved. None of us want to see them go through the tribulation. Just for a minute right now, why don't we just quietly lift up our friends, our family, just in prayer, just quiet prayer to yourselves, just for a minute. And pray for opportunity, for doors to open. For godly moments with those people.
an opportunity to share the goodness of God, an opportunity to share the revelation that Jesus Christ is their Lord, their Savior, and their Deliverer, that He will cleanse them of all sin, that they can feel true love and true freedom for the first time in their lives, that their destiny will be heaven and eternal life, This church is not a church where we come and we're just part of the audience. It isn't. And no church should be. Because we know the urgency of the times we're living in. We know the reality of the battle. And I've got stuff to preach, but I don't want to see my loved ones not get an opportunity to even just an opportunity to say no, but to at least hear the gospel. And I'm standing here feeling quite convicted now because I know there are people around me that I haven't shared with. I have a gym full of people that I haven't shared with. I have family members that I haven't shared with. I'm doing some work, but with the urgency of the times we're living in, Now that I'm condemning myself, I'm feeling convicted because I know there's more that I could be doing. I know that there's more that each of us could be doing to share the gospel. Our focus should be what Pastor Lisa and James spoke about, to live a life of worship, to live a life that, is, that has no distractions. Where when we tune the radio to God, we can hear Him clearly and crisply. There's no static. Because when we hear the Word of God accurately and clearly, then we know how to guide people. We know how to take moments. We know the right things to say. We can use our gifts with people. We can be accurate about the things that we're saying. You know that the key to Jesus' ministry on earth, apart from the power of God, was that he heard clearly from God. You didn't hear Jesus wondering about God, what God was saying. You didn't hear him say, I believe, I think. Jesus said, God said. God said, God says. Jesus preached with authority. He spoke with authority in everything that he said because he heard clearly from God. Because his relationship with God was uninterrupted, unencumbered. He heard clearly and accurately from God. That's what we should be working towards. And I know some of us are ahead of others. I know there are people in this room that have a relationship with God that is miles ahead of where I am right now. But we should each... Every single day, be stepping a little closer to God. Be deepening our relationship with God. Be deepening the revelation we have of Jesus Christ. There's a battle going on all around us, and we can't afford to sit still. So, um, is there someone upstairs in the lights? Hello, Riley. <laughs> Can you just turn the lights down? Please dim the lights. Nice one. Maybe just a little dimmer, please, Riley.
Right. I feel like we should be going to battle this morning a little bit. That's what I'm feeling. So we, we will have some ministry time, but I'd, what I'd really like to do is, is have everyone who wants to come up the front and let's pray. Let's go to war. Let's pray like some spiritual warfare up here against the enemy. Let's spend this time. This is just what I'm feeling. So those of you who want to come up the front, it's not going to be a one person after one person. Just come up and pray. Can we have the lights down a bit more, please, Riley, so it's a bit darker? We have to be ready and agile for whatever God directs us to do. If you have someone in your heart that you're praying for, that you're lifting up, something that you want breakthrough in, someone where you can see that the enemy is playing havoc in their lives, or perhaps they, don't, they just don't know God yet. If you want to pray for this nation, if you want to pray about the stuff that Pastor Robin put up, about the portals, and how the enemy is trying to pour more and more demonic forces onto this earth, then come up the front. And don't be afraid to come up the front because we are the army of God and we are in this fight whether you like it or not. If you have signed up for Jesus Christ, you are in this fight. So who's coming up first? Come on. Come on up. I know there's a lot of warriors in this church. And like I said, it's not one after the other. You just pray. If you feel like screaming, scream. If you feel like yelling, yell. We're just going to pray. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. Oh, I still need